What's going on, everybody? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Barangay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dominic Alcantara. Today on the show, we have my homies, Nothing New and K Solar. They both are producers, beat makers. Uh, K Solo is also a rapper. Um, but primarily, the things that we talked about were uh, throwing events, community building, uh, networking through the internet, network- networking through music. For me, it's a really fun episode. I think we got to cover a lot of topics. They're both very, very great guys. Um, Love what they do. Uh, Nothing new, aka Omar, is the head of a uh, event collective, I guess, a music collective called In Plain Sight, where they throw events in New York City on a monthly basis and other cities as well. Really dope stuff. Um, Lastly, the music you're hearing right now is by K Solar. So, yeah, tune in. Hope you enjoy. Peace. Yeah, what's good, guys? Today on the podcast, we have on my left, nothing new, and on my right, K Solar. What's good, guys? How are you? What's going on? Peace to y'all. What's going on? You guys want to introduce yourselves, say what's up to the people? Uh, Solo, you want to go first? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's going on? My name is K Solar. I'm an uh, artist, musician, producer, uh, record collector, record dealer, community activist. Uh, show curator, you know, concert receptor. No, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who wears many different hats. got the resume on deck. I, I do a lot of different things. <laughs> I, I wear different hats. I'm from Los Angeles, California, you know, and um, I love music, you know. Yeah, that's me. You know, I currently have a, a little record boutique in Lamert Park, um, which is uh, the epicenter of black culture in Los Angeles. Um, yep. you know, and, and even before adulthood, I did a lot of community organization in that area, um, planning the art walk, planning the revamps, uh, planning underground hip hop shows there, um, for years, which I would later move to New York and also do and take part in some of the similar work. Um, and just be a, a record geek as well, you know, working in and out of record shops and music spaces. Yeah. Um, yeah that's that's me damn man that's dope man <laughs> that's dope omar what's good man my man came crazy off top bro what <laughs> like i was not <laughs> yeah, ready he bro. did he was ready <laughs> i can't he rehearsed it. that he rehearsed that i know you rehearsed i know that. you'd be rapping but damn bro that's the <laughs> intro we just got i'm in got good in. company <laughs> i'm in good company you know nothing new does a lot of things so i i already just know that's how we gotta come you know all right well i go by nothing new um i'm a graphic designer beathead drummer dj community organizer um platform builder dot connector that type of thing bro like i mean that's the type of thing that i'm on all the time i've been doing it for years um when i needed a platform i built it for myself and when i realized that it was an effective platform i used it to build others up as well and i used my employment at korg i was a graphic designer for korg so i was doing a lot of just as Solomon as, as a ooh, as K Solar is a record geek, I'm a. <laughs> this is the best part of it. <laughs> as he's a record geek, I'm like a synth geek. So I had like a little background in there, and um, my whole deal while working at that company was kind of com- connecting 
the community in New York to the brand, which is based out in Long Island and providing opportunity to people who never really had access to that type of equipment. So we were hosting block okay. parties within plain sight and kind of bringing in talent from all over the, I guess the country we could, we can, you know, officially say we brought acts from all over the country. Word. Word. Yeah. No, that's tight. That's tight. Yeah. Man, you guys both do so much stuff. And to be honest, I find it, I find it to be like pretty parallel to the stuff that I do, except I'm in primarily visual arts and you guys are in the audio arts. But in terms of community organizing, man, that's, that's a term that's pretty new to me. You know, I, I never really thought of myself as a community organizer until very recently i was like reworking my my resume and my linkedin and i was like asking my friends for help on this and they were like you need to put community organizer on there and i was like for real is that is that is that a title people really claim like i didn't really know that but yeah you guys do so much dope stuff for community i I love seeing what you whatever you guys are up to so um yeah let's get right into this guys thank you again for coming on the show thank you for having us appreciate the space man for real yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, how's quarantine been treating you guys? Or, I mean, I know things have lightened up over there a little bit, but numbers are still looking pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been rough, but I mean, for those of us who are blessed to not really be affected by like the disease aspect of it, being able to be home yeah. kind of opens up a new a new pathway you know what i mean like i see so many people really focusing on the things that move them the things they care about and really you know building those things up rather than trying to figure out how to get back to whatever normal was because normal wasn't effective yeah right yeah yeah i i'd say um i'm in that boat of you know again not seeing the disease i should say for myself within my circles um so it's been a good it's been a good year, you know. I've been on my music shit, but it's also a very um moving year for me personally. Mm-hmm. Be- only because I see my life outside of my music and I always want to do more, you know. I I again, I'm sure we've both uh spent time conveying our thoughts on <laughs> the state of America as black Americans <laughs> and as people f- for years, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Whether whether yeah. it's um you know, being uh, literal in our words, right? Because I rap or metaphorical or just working it out, right? Um, but yeah, I, for the last few months, I've been pushed out kind of outside of my music and kind of, you know, just been searching for ways where I can be active again, as active as I felt when I was in high school and stuff like that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and that's just where my head's at. It's like, I mean, I know, you know, everybody's got a different lane. I can't have the solution myself, right? But, you know, working towards... Um, Shit, the need to change within my circles, you know, and that's been my yeah. last few months. Shit, because COVID, yeah, COVID breeded a whole another type of shit, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not just COVID. Like I said, like I'm not sick, but you know, shit, yeah. we've been we've been sick for a long time, you exactly. know. So, so <laughs> I mean, that's just how I feel. But I mean, so that's I'm alright, man. I'm a, that's I'm alive. A that's Cheers a... to y'all. <laughs> Cheers. That's a big Cheers. fact, bro. I mean, the whole activism thing. I think it really boosted because of COVID, because of quarantine, because we're stuck here and Absolutely. you know, Absolutely, yeah. pushed inside of our homes and we're still seeing the same violence and, and you know, madness that was taking place right. when we were outside. So what's the excuse? Right. You know, we're home now. Right. Absolutely, yeah. 
yeah there's there's no reason not to be thinking about it talking about it you know feeling right all the emotions that everybody's been feeling exactly it has to be it has to be there's nothing else to focus on yeah it's a beautiful thing how how do you guys feel like it's it's um affected you personally uh solo you just said that you've kind of put music a little lower in the priority how about you omar nothing new sorry Um, first names (laughs) (laughs) it's been a slip i'm not used to this it's been a slip that's what it is um I mean, for me, I took a couple months off with everything kind of being all over the place. I'd lost my job because of COVID and, um, Mm. you know, I didn't want to put so much energy into music because I felt like there were so many other things that we could be talking about. But then I also recognized two things. Number one, that as somebody who, you know, is beginning to um, reach people, you know, there's a responsibility that we have as artists to speak to those people and say the things that really matter. And I feel like, especially in my lane with instrumental hip hop, um, I'm able to speak to my people through social media or whatever, but that whole stance isn't necessarily verbalized in the music. So there's this double-edged sword of, you know, I'm making beats and I also have, like, I have something to say about what's going on in the country, in the world, globally. And something to say about the experience of being a black person in America or in the United States rather. And um, because those lyrics aren't really popping off, you know, people aren't looking at it and saying it's overly political. There's kind of a little bit of a separation where I can use that kind of musical following to gather attention and, you know, push out, you know, healing energy, joy, um, but then also take that platform that I'm building for making this music and really start speaking on the things that matter, which is the experience of being a black person in America. It's like terror all the time, anxiety on high, but also celebrating that blackness and that perseverance daily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know you had, I, I remember seeing that you had some issues with the release of your recent project, Amani. I, I don't remember exactly what was going on. Did you say there's a setback, right? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, we don't we don't have to go into that. Oh, we don't no, have to go can. into that. We can. I'm just not gonna use no okay. names because I'm not gonna put any more shine on the people that did it. Um you okay. know, I had never done a label release prior to that whole thing. And I decided that that's how I wanted to put my album forward. You know, I'd put out two albums independent before and it didn't really get the traction or the love that I thought it was going to get or needed to get. So when it came down to this one, I knew it was going to be a special project. So I pitched it to these guys and, you know, it's I think it was May 25th. I'm sitting in like the bar, the uh, the hair salon or whatever. I'm getting my hair retwisted, um, getting ready <laughs> Um, to make this move like I had a whole bunch of friends hitting me up about going to a protest so we're heading to this protest and my phone starts blowing up and people are asking me what's going on with the label and I'm wondering yeah because I'm not sure what's going on with it and they ended up telling me you know people were telling me that um this label had forged donations um and kind of used their platform to talk about how labels and collectives really weren't doing anything in terms of blackness so they forged a thousand dollar donation and then got called out um, and oh, by man. the time I really had a chance to sit with it, you know, I came in from the protest. I was like, nah, man, I'm not with this anymore. Like, this is garbage. Um, 
if you're really going to do this while people are really out there being active, trying to do something about it. And I'm not even the most active person. I'm not at every single protest, but like mm-hmm. just the fact that somebody would go and fake donations made me right. think like, yo, this is supposed to be an album that's a testament to blackness and to black joy and the black dreams. Why am I giving this to somebody who doesn't care about the community and the culture? You know right. what I mean? That's yeah. Damn, man, that is that is messed up. That's embarrassing. That's problematic. So you ended up releasing it independently on your own. Yeah, and the reception was beautiful, man. Like I didn't meet yeah. anybody else, and that was kind of like um a realization that you know the most that a label can really do is you know distribution or to push it to you know platforms that you didn't have access to. But if you can build those things on your own slowly, then the cards are in your hands and you can control the messaging and how you say it and when you say it, whatever you want to do with your music yeah. and your art, you're able to do it if you're independent. Yeah. So since you guys have both both released projects this year, I wanted to ask, like, is there any kind of, um, like, is there anything internally kind of holding you back from releasing projects right now? Just out of curiosity, it, like, no Omar, you want to take that one first? Anything? I mean, you was, for those at home, y'all can't see Solar's face, but we're on the video call, and this man looked like he had words ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I just be thinking on the fly, but I, well, I think, okay, so so I guess when like you asked like, Is there about... any confusion right now with, with everything going on? Like, do you feel any, I, I yeah. don't know. No, yeah, a- absolutely. Um, I guess I kind of brushed over this earlier when you asked how mm-hmm. COVID had affected us in our year. Really, I guess, again, because my mind has been on other things, it's it's been pushed elsewhere in the ethos of Solomon's mind. But it's like it kind of stopped everything for me. It stopped my whole momentum. And I really yeah. feel like there was definitely a way I could have combated that. But it was almost like I actually for once spent a year or so planning you know this release and i had shows lined up in london i was going to london i was gonna go to france and then i was gonna go to new york and then i was gonna be back in la like that was the the launch and the last show i did february 22nd was the release and then there were no shows after that you know what i'm saying and things were still open but shows started closing down before that initial that inevitable date of march 15th i think it was in la so and okay so it's february 22nd i was like Maybe I can still go to the UK, right? March, March, no. and my, me and my mom are like arguing. I was like, "Well, if you know, I'm like, I just don't want to punk out first. That's what I said to her. <laughs> I was like, "We're gonna see what happens on the, you know." I was like, "They're closing everything down. We'll see what happens." And I remember that Monday, which might have been the 16th or the 15th. I'm mixing the dates up, but it was right after the weekend of the 15th. And the Monday I looked because my flight was supposed to be that that Friday and to the uk and it had been canceled and so that flipped my whole uh momentum out of whack you know and like again like financially i was not affected no but if anything it affected the way i felt about planning and (laughs) it made me feel like i had done such no like hear me out i i like my music right i never front on it i just don't care to be the nigga that's doing all the promo you know and i need to invest (laughs) in that or i need they need to get better at that or get a marketing team whatever but yeah i had spent the most time i had ever spent on a rollout you know and it was 
going to these shows and getting footage here and doing this. And I was like, this is going to do it. That hurts. And um, shout out to all my supporters because my project still sold very well. You know what I'm saying? Even without the yeah. shows. So that's that's how I'm able to see the love is real. But I'm just imagining the push with it. And so that kind of crushed me in March. You know, like literally, like that was it. I was like, I was trying to figure out how to do that. Um, so I think if there's anything that's holding me back, it's just me trying to plan even better. That's all. Yeah. It's just planning for what is what is the worst, 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 worst. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, I thought exactly. I had it planned out very well. And it's like, no, yeah. you know, man plans and God laughs, right? It's that type of thing. So it's like, yeah. how do you plan around that? How do you plan for the unexpected? Or if you have a, having contingency plans, that type of thing. So all that's holding me up is just being the best of planners, really. You know, just trying to be a better, better planner Word. with my music. Word. Be more active vocal you know on social media because yeah. because i'll be on exactly. my feet that's what that you know actually, people see me but i don't yeah. be typing everything i'll be laughing online anyway and that being active on social media actually kind of helps with right. with your planning because it gives you uh it helps you to gauge like what your engagement is going to be like from your audience at a certain time you know what Absolutely. i mean and yeah. you know using social media analytics is extremely helpful i don't really use it often enough i never look at it to be honest mm -hmm. but that stuff can be very very useful and help you around planning so there are still ways to plan during during covid times but it's just not the same without the in-person interaction you know yeah yeah i think that's just the spot i thrive that i just need to balance it out with you know what i mean it's like yeah i can do the in-person but it's like now handle this other area. So that's all that's, and I wouldn't say yeah. holding me back, it's just that's where I'm at with it. It's just like, how do you get better at this? While still obviously working on music, you know, but. Word, yeah. So so with Amani, were there any, uh, any setbacks, any mental setbacks with the second approach to the release? Like how did that, how did that all break down for you? I mean, that whole project was written during such a tumultuous kind of time. Um, mm. So like when that kind of happened, I was like, all right, but this is what was supposed to happen with this anyway. There was going to be problems with it. Um, yeah. So I didn't really take the setback and, and have it set me back any, any way at all, really. It was like once I realized that I needed to push differently, I did. I figured out who I was going to do like my release show with. I went through old contacts to see who I needed to talk to. I just, you know, canvassed differently. Um, but in terms of like releasing music now, I feel like I agree. Music is a social experience as well as a personal experience. So mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of make music now after building up so much time kind of performing live, um, with the expectation of, you know, going out and sharing this music with people at max volume and really blowing speakers and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you kind of lose that when you're quarantining and everything. But on the flip side, I've been able to be probably the most ambitious I've ever been with just the pursuit of music and getting better at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Um, have you guys been doing any, I know you have, like, have you, how many stream shows have you guys done in the past few months? Oh, Has it been, has it been very frequent for you guys or just a few? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, what? What happened? Why are you guys working on something? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have a number. Um, they pop up like frequently. Mm, okay. For me, at least. So like, yeah. I haven't really been keeping track of how many. They just kind of pop up and I adapt to them when they show up. Yeah. Yeah. I've done two. <laughs> I've oh, done two word. because 
my release party was going to be with Beat Cinema. So after, mm -hmm. I guess, after things rolled over and we figured out, you know, like, we're not getting outside. They were like, hey, you want to do this live thing? So that was, was a good thing. I think that was in April. I don't know. It's been so long now. But in April, I did, like, my probably my first live stream ever. And I did it in my living room. And that shit was fire. And it was so yeah. fun. Um, and then just recently, I was DJing. I was, but this is... I did my second live stream actually DJing somewhere because the homie has this clothing line. And, you know, he, he was doing um, an event to push it because he got a physical store as well for a couple mm -hmm. weeks. And so, um, yeah, I was just DJing. And then I just went live and people were in there interacting with me. Oh, fire. I posted three. <laughs> I posted like I did it three different times that night and posted three different IG TV stories that were live. And then I went back the next day and was like, oh, no. I was drunk and I deleted them. <laughs> but to see again, but to see it was so it was impromptu, you know, and yeah, there yeah. was so much support actually from people popping in, from people checking in after. And I was like, damn, that's crazy, man. You know, I don't know. You know? <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna have to take offense to you because you said that was your first live live stream ever. But you did the uh -oh. second in plain sight, like when we were just doing live streams before we had a venue or a block party. You did the second I, one there in your backyard. Nah, we was in the studio, um, the old studio I used to work at, Whitewater. At, <laughs> at y'all can see this junior man's played. face. You telling me Junior played, right? <laughs> nah, nah. That was when Jugo played. Nah, at bro, it wasn't with Jugo. It was um, Ment Plus was on it, and you were there, in my bro. Face. This man no. is dumped out and he can't remember. You know, I don't remember. I mean, people tell me shame, I'll be like, bro. you know, it's not even an excuse. It's just, I've, how I've long ago was this? Oh, that was a while. So I'm, I'm three, not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've lived, I've lived three, four different lifetimes <laughs> in different areas of the country. So please bear with me. Yeah. I know. Nah, we did, I, know I feel like, although, wait, hold on, Omar. Because I, I thought, I feel like one of the first things I did was in your backyard, though. That's what I remember. Because nah. I remember doing in plain sight in your backyard. That's all. You were definitely not on that bill. <laughs> when? We did it a few times there. Nah, the backyard was Jersey. That was unusual, good food. Um, that was the first yeah, time? Yeah, a bunch of people, yeah. That was, the back, that was the only backyard one. You did the studio at Whitewater. This man is tight right now. I wish y'all could see no, that. I, man's hey, face. I believe you. Hey, I'm rolling with it. You know, we, we got to face the music, literally. So, Yo, uh, I, want, I wanted you to heard ask it you here. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about In Plain Sight. Like, can you guys explain what that is and, and what you guys are doing, what you guys are working on? That's the master right there. That's the master Take it right away. Um, in Plain Sight, man, um, if you want to keep it a thousand about it, like, it came about because me, solo, um, kind of relevant, and our homie Dave used to kick it at my crib and, like, make beats till five in the morning because I was unemployed. It was, like, 2016, so we'd be there from... I'd be up from eight making beats. They'd show up at like two, three in the afternoon and I'd be making beats and they'd be rapping and sometimes Solo would make beats and we'd collab. People would pop up. Um, and from there, you know, I realized I really wanted to be a part of that entire community. I didn't know where to start. So I started going to beat house shows and really seeing mm -hmm. that whole thing um, in person and understanding that there was a, a community in New York that really already existed for this type of music. Um, yeah. And then it got to 2017 and that was when I first opened like the open aux segment for beat house. It was the first time they ever did it. I showed up there, um, played 10 minutes and kind of got the bug from there. So I, I really wanted to yeah. figure out how to find more shows, but I didn't know where to look cause it was my first one ever. 
So after really kind of being unsuccessful, I'd played bananas with K-Sola because he brought the whole West Coast flavor to, to Rough Trades where he was working at the time. So I played the first bananas there. And then... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that yeah I remember when you were doing time. that. <laughs> that yeah. shit was fire. That's when I realized it was... I don't think I had done Beat House at that time either. That's why... That's when I realized, like, there was the market, you know, if you say... Or the culture, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, people yeah, out no, there that, that want to see that, that underground. I just was... I was an outsider and, you know, Omar was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, you know, I tried to figure out the best way to go about it. So I had met people at the Open Ox show... And I said to them, like, yo, you know, would you want to do a live stream at my mom's house in the living room? (laughs) (laughs) So we did, and we put it up on Periscope, and um, it went well, you know, so we did another one, and that went well, and we were kind of just circulating different locations to do it at, and then I had the opportunity to, like, play music for the block party where I was growing up or whatever, um, and decided, like, you know why not use this as a platform to really boost people who haven't had a chance yet and really provide like a unique experience that, I mean, that stuff doesn't happen in Brooklyn too much because of all the gentrification and whatnot. Um, So I drove speakers from my job in Long Island and hooked it up. Um, We had subwoofers bumping, like you could hear it from blocks away (laughs) and did a whole thing for the whole day. And from there, it it again kind of evolved. People kind of realized they needed it monthly at this point so we decided to after doing a second block party we decided to go to father knows best in bushwick and kind of have a residency there and just build that community um on the local side monthly and i I think it was like kind of divine timing almost because like when we came around um beat house's founder fresh daily and he was on the way out yeah yeah he already had made plans to kind of bounce to the west coast Mm-hmm. And he had planned on doing it by coastal, but it's a lot to run this stuff just like by yourself yeah. to do it in your state. So to be doing it by in one coastal, place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. So wow, there was kind of a, a unexpected void that opened up, um, and we kind of maintained it to keep that energy rocking till the next class, the next generation kind of popped up and started taking it up on their own. So now, like right now, with Solomon being, you know. Solomon was here for, or K Solar rather, was here for, you know, all of it. You know, he was there from mm-hmm. the beginning. That was a resident. And we had collabed on things, did bi coastal shows, even, you know what I mean? But once he kind of moved and once COVID kind of hit, and once I realized there was a lot of just different collectives already moving in the space and kind of doing live streams and everything, I fell back because I realized that if I'm building a platform, it doesn't need to be something that's redundant if everybody else is already doing it. Yeah. So for now, be it's smart. Like on hold. Just while I'm trying to be smart. <laughs> but no, for... I, I totally feel that. Like, yeah. but then that begs the question: like, if you still want to do something for the community, but there's already so much redundancy, how do you find the new thing to focus on? Because that's that's where I'm at right now. Where I don't, obviously, I I host art shows in real life in galleries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not happening anytime soon. And I'm trying to figure out also, like, what is the next move? I've been doing the podcast for a year now, but that's not anywhere the same as, as doing art shows. So I don't even know what, mm. what I should be doing anymore. I really don't know. I think a lot of it comes from kind of staying active. Um, yeah. 
you can't really be passive in the community because when you're active, you're able to realize where things are lacking, where people aren't right. understanding things. That's where the community is really at, is yeah. in yeah. people being active. It's like, you can, yeah, continue, my bad. But. It's all good. That's a valid point. I mean, yeah. there's no way for you to know what the lack is if you're not an active member of the community. So I think I've sat back and kind of watched what people are doing on live streams and seeing what they're providing, what the content really is. And, you know, I'm taking notes, trying to figure out what's not being provided. And it's not because somebody, you know, has a shortcoming and, mm -hmm. you know, needs to revamp anything. It's just if somebody's doing all this already, they're focused on the things they're doing. So, yeah, there's got to be, be something else. On, yeah, so, something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Omar's music is also of great service to the community also. And I think that's where it gets transmuted from being a community member and being like, yo, I'm gonna put this on for people and thus people know him to do things to help others, you know, for lack of better words. But mm -hmm. even the experiences we've had with In Plain Sight, whether it be at Father Knows Best or at the block party is healing. You know what I'm saying? It's healing for community. It's not just right. community work, but it's also the healing part. So right. Omar, again, for lack of a better word and for pun intended, Omar has the healing component within himself. So so whether whether it is he's doing a show, you know, or um, his music, you, people are able to find that now because they have the identity, you know. Word. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yo, uh, can I ask you guys, like, of all the new things that you've been seeing people doing since COVID started, like, do you have anything in particular that, that you want to shine some light on? Like, any anybody's specific live stream of whatever they're doing, things like that? Like, anything really caught your eye? On a general sweeping statement, I think reading. Reading has been something that I've seen a lot of people Word. start doing, as well as looking into yeah. alternative, just alternative thought, you know, and... Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people were already on that wave, but because we're home and because we have access to social media, stuff spreads quickly, you know, so I see a lot more people putting down the phones and reading or putting down the phones and picking up instruments. So people are starting to disconnect while they're still connected. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, similarly, similarly, some semi-similarly on that wave, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say the way people eat. And I think because a lot of people, and it, again, it began as a as a joke probably, but not really. Um, Twitter just frames everything as joke, but not really. But, um, you know, people began to be concerned about their health right. on a grander yeah. scheme and really understood yeah. like, okay, it's immune system. You know, it's immune system time. And then on top of that, um, how my brain is functioning and everything else trickling down from that, right? And again, like Omar said, it's like, People are already on this wave because people like that already exist and it's a slow process. But when you see something happen that affects people there, it becomes, you know, multiplied. So and but the joke I'm talking about is like people be like, man, they told y'all niggas about CMOS and I can't stand it, you know, and that, but that's but that's such a good thing, you know, but like in, in reality, like that's such a good thing. And nobody was listening to Dr. Savy, you know, and and like Nipsey Hussle brought that to light once he died you get what i'm saying like and that's, that's still what i'm, I'm trying yeah. to say it's like a chain reaction of like dr sebi's work got put on uh, i knew about dr sebi for years but dr sebi's work got put on blast in a in a great way when nipsey passed so now yeah. we're talking about covid and people's um health so again dr sebi's work gets more and cmos you know that's a very very big part of it mucus people being concerned about what you know conjures up that and that being the cause of a lot of um, 
physical ailments, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I think that's important. You know, it's not about skinny, fat, any of that. It's literally about your diet because it's yeah, your body. It's you know what I'm saying? It's about what you eat. Exactly. It's what you're putting inside of yourself. It's very simple. You know, so yeah. people's body mass is going to be their body mass. You know, so it's just people have been more concerned with what they're, again, putting inside their body. Thank you, Omar. That's mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. And what both of those things tie back to really is learning. You know, reading mm-hmm. and, and caring about your immune system is learning at the right. at, at the root of it. So we've had less distractions. To, yeah, exactly, you exactly. I, it's it's empowering almost to see everybody changing their their path toward learning a little more. You know, like because that's something that I I'm constantly obsessed with learning, and I don't I don't really know if everybody is. You know what I mean? For me personally, ever since I dropped out of college. All I wanted to do is learn because I hated college so much. Now I just want to learn on my own. You know what I mean? And uh, like, I don't know. I felt like a lot of people weren't taking opportunities to learn because there are so many ways and things to learn about, you know. And have have you guys been reading anything new, uh, watching anything new, documentaries, anything like that? Uh, As of the last couple of weeks, I just watched a bunch of jazz documentaries. That's just recent, though. But, you know, a bunch of what? Sorry. Jazz documentaries. I recently oh, watched. Word. Send me some links. Uh, John Coltrane. I will. Oh, there, uh, some of them. Well, Lee, I'll say I will send you that, but I'll just say Lee Morgan's is on Netflix. Lee Morgan, John Coltrane, and Miles Davis are all on Netflix. Really? If I remember correctly. Somebody's might have been on YouTube, really? but again, that's why. Yeah, they're there. So okay, that was the okay. last last two, three weeks was watching those. I usually keep a book in hand. Um, I'm a slow reader, except for the time I was a camp counselor and I read two books in one summer. But I've been reading, <laughs> I've been reading uh, Gil Scott Heron's uh, "The Last Holiday," a memoir, for a while now. So that's okay. been in and in and out, you know. And aside from that, it's just music. But that's that's you know something I've had a little more time for. That, yeah. That documentary, I guess. Yeah. Word. That memoir. I, I haven't been doing any reading, man. I feel <laughs> guilty about it. I was I was just thinking about it last night, like for and a while for. A, I mean, for a couple of years, I was reading like 20 books a year. And yeah. I, I think I read two books at the beginning of this year. And then once COVID hit, I picked up a third book and I just, I got like two chapters in and never picked it up again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened, man. I, I don't know. I was literally just thinking about it last night. Like I, I should be picking up some books and trying to learn some new things, but I've just been listening to podcasts. I consider that my way of learning these days but mm-hmm. i don't know I, I feel like there's always more there's always more i don't want to waste my time you know i mean the interesting thing is <clears throat> with reading and with um learning in general is that and even like improving your body and your mind like in terms of learning skills because of how school kind of trained everybody we're expected to kind of learn these things quickly you know so i just yeah. started reading a book i found a book on the street one day just kind of walking in the neighborhood um and it's called poor economics a radical rethinking of the way to fight global poverty so i'm reading maybe a couple pages here and there before bed you know just to start something you know what i mean um, mm-hmm. and then in terms of like um documentaries I've been watching a lot of history things. I've been watching a lot of uh, documentaries on the L.A. Watts riots and everything. Um, you know, like just places where history kind of recycled and repeated itself. Um, mm. Learning a lot about how 
you know financial institutions where it's been watching like dirty money on netflix um, <clears throat> just like i feel like whenever i'm sitting still there's something else i could be learning like i took up piano lessons and started doing drum stuff and started riding my bike just taking things slowly though you know like 30 minutes on the drums 30 minutes on piano an hour or so watching something 30 minutes reading you know nothing crazy but just like piecemeal me and omar met oh yeah and then let's talk about how we all met like we all met yeah, in the same place <laughs> yeah but, okay yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no well yes and no that's the, the funny thing about yeah because don we were there we were there at the same time funny thing yeah. about omar is he was well up and out the gate by the time i had arrived and that's what was so funny about it that's what i think is oh funny. really yeah, yeah bro omar wasn't working there when i moved when i moved to new york he was already but okay here we go <laughs> from the top i moved to new york october of 2015 uh i chill for a month or maybe something you know and then i'm like okay i gotta find a job it's like the end of november holiday season's coming up mm-hmm. i had already had a couple of leads from my old boss in la justin um who you know was from brooklyn so he's like go to oakley and go to doc martin's I didn't care. I didn't give a shit about Doc Martens. I had homegirls that loved Doc Martens, that loved their history, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, alternative chicks, whatever, you know. <laughs> people, alternative people, excuse me. I just had friends that cared about fucking Doc Martens. I didn't give a fuck. And I go and I uh, I inquire. I meet Aaron. Oh, I remember my when I moved to New York, my dreadlocks had just got long enough to put in a ponytail. So I walk in thinking I'm cute as fuck with my with my dreadlocks and a ponytail, dressed all nice in my little Tibetan fucking shirt and skinny jeans and like uh, leather shoes, brown leather shoes. Really, I thought I was mm-hmm. looking like an idiot. I look, I thought I looked cool. I mean, I, look, I probably did. Anyway, I walk in, I meet Aaron. I talk to Aaron. I say, "Oh yeah, Justin referred me." I meet Arrestus that day, um, and whatever, whatever. Ooh. I start working. You said who? Who? Arrestus. <laughs> I meet Arrestus that day. I don't know that guy. Chaotic. Ah! Chaotic. <laughs> I meet this guy named Arrestus, whatever. So I come in and the first whole first month or so, like he doesn't care for me. He get he has this like smug look whenever I talk. You know, I I, I understand LA gets a lot of hate. I don't know why. Like, I don't give a fuck. It was I him though, put, he's from the Bronx. That's what he does. That's why he looks <laughs> I don't be putting on ears for nobody. Do. You know, I ain't, I ain't got nothing to hide, nigga. I'm a goofy-ass motherfucker, but I'm sure L.A. has its own little thing, whatever. And, uh, you know, yeah, Arrest has got a little smug face whenever I would talk. <laughs> After I kept saying I make beats, though, and I showed him some stuff, first night we probably got drunk together and I showed him some beats, he's going crazy. You guys know how Arrest is when he's excited. Of he's yeah. like, yo, <laughs> yo, I got somebody you should meet. And my boy, Omar, you know, he mentions him a few times before we end up going there. After a shift one day, and Omar's mm-hmm. at Whitewater Studios in Manhattan, and 
I don't know if the first time I came by was with Joy or not. I don't think so, right? Was it? It might have no, been. been the second time. It might have been. It might have been because it was very new for me too to see like how you were working. And uh, Omar shows me some of his beats. This is very. This is very early. Your style was not the same, you know. No. But Omar, Omar was um, crafting a style of playing things. You know, he was. I remember him saying, "I'm trying to get away from sampling." I do remember that very, very vividly. And so he had these beats where he was doing these drums. He was very good at drums because he already came from a drumming background. And but he was like, mm-hmm. trying to get away from sampling. And so I, yeah, Joy Pastel was in town. That was a friend of mine, a collaborator of mine. I, I bring him to the studio. We chill with Omar, talk to Omar. And, you know, I mean, that's where it begins. And then he begins to invite me over. I go, I meet his mother. His mother reminds me of my mother. You know, we meet each other's family. And, I mean, I mean, Omar, can you, you know, because I know it's different from your side. But that that's kind of how, how I met Omar. Now, Dom, when did you start? Because you must have started after this. You did not start the same winter as me. That's what I'm saying. You no, did not start. The, no, no, no. You must I was have started the following that. winter. Yes, so I was already in New York for a year, and then Dom came yeah. along, and Dom was yeah. cool. Did you come no, with Evan? You must have came the same year as Evan. Well, uh, I moved to New York for college around the same time you moved to New York. It, yeah, twenty fifteen. I moved in uh-huh. September twenty fifteen. Uh huh. And I was working at Adidas, then Urban Outfitters, and then I ended up at Doc Martens. Fashion man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. And yeah we all were at doc martens at some point but yeah me and evan started like the same week i think yeah and we went to college together too but it was just a coincidence we didn't actually know each other yeah <laughs> we were at the same college same year you know yeah. and we just happened to meet there i think like three months after we were working together we finally realized that we were classmates yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Yo, how is evan how is evan have you He's talked good. to him lately i talked to him a couple of days ago yeah actually oh, i facetimed him uh, just a couple of days ago, he's good. Mm. He was in. He was able to surpass a lot of the pandemonium because he's got a significant other now, and yeah. he was with he was with her in. Um, they were in Miami. <laughs> they were yeah, like outside of all the bullshit. They were just like I saw out him the posting. way. I was like, like what is first, good right now? It seemed like it was like the first couple months, but yeah, he's at docs. <laughs> He's doing his thing. He's a grown man now. Shit. When I met him, he was just a little kid to me. You know what I'm saying? But that's my guy. But yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah, we all pretty crazy. much met through Arrestus. Yeah. yeah. That whole era was Arrestus. crazy, bro. Like, I remember. Did you say unfortunately? Huh? Unfortunately. Dom keeps sliding these things in about Arrestus. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, he was. He. I miss that kid, bro. Like. Yeah. I remember when me I started too. working there, like. He really was not messing with me, and and it's like the same story with Solo. Like you know, he was not really like the the energy was clashing. I think I had a big energy and he had a big energy, but I was his boss. <laughs> so like, oh, that's different, yeah. So like he would try to play me, but I was like, all right, but you know, I'm still in charge, bro. So, uh, <laughs> this, he said, "This is Brooklyn." <laughs> um. So, you know, like we really. I guess what happened was I moved out. I moved out of that space because I had like by chance ran into somebody who worked at a recording studio nearby or who was building a recording studio nearby. And I had started interning there. Um, and they had told me like, either you got to take, you know, this interning thing seriously, or you're just going to, you know, do this as a hobby, but this is where you got to kind of piss or get off the pot for lack of a better uh, term or whatever. 
So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I had already kind of been sick of working retail. There was no offense to Doc Martens. I just knew that there was more for me. I'd already done it for like five no years. No doubt, yeah. Um, and I ended up moving on and working there. And when I did it, I, I could tell it kind of lit like a fire underneath Arrestus's ass to like really start locking in. You know That's what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And he did, you know, like I saw him start taking that shit more seriously. And every time I would, like, it was right down the block from Doc Martens' studio. So, like, I would walk there before work or after work or on break, and he'd be hyped, you know, telling me about new music he was making or new music he was working on or, you know, showing me shit straight off of his iPhone. Um, so <laughs> it made sense when he started, you know, bringing up Solar or whatever because he had met somebody who kind of met him at that same place that I was at. You know what I mean? Somebody to kind of push him like the same way... Um, or rather, someone that he could push with the same way that he used to push with me. Like, we used to run up yeah. to the, you know, little Pandora box when we heard a sample come up on the radio and, like, figure <laughs> out who played it. And, you know, fight each other to try and figure out who had uh, first dibs on the sample. You know what I mean? But it was that kind of atmosphere that really built, you know, a, a push, a, a, really, a real pursuit for this music thing so like whenever we had opportunities to really link and build and create new things or invite other people into the fold we did and when we were at that studio we'd be there i mean i had keys i had access codes i was there whenever i wanted to be there and i would always call them and be like yo i'm at the studio the shit's down the block pull up ain't no excuse Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. no excuse and we'd be there yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead no, I was just saying, yeah, and we'd be there. That's all. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we had access to like professional grade recording studio stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it was free time. Um, there yeah. were three rooms and no <clears throat> rules, you know, other than respect the gear and, you know, don't take nothing. You know, we were really kind of getting an experience that not everybody had, and it kind of built this whole thing. I mean, I grew up in a household where like there was a practice space in the basement where musicians would come and really work on their chops. So it fostered this idea that, you know, opportunity, like access should be provided to everybody. You know, it shouldn't be just me with access to a studio. It should be me and people who, you know, might need to normally pay for studio time. It should be me with people who never been in a studio, never knew the importance of it. Because how on Mm -hmm. earth are people going to understand the value of, you know, a full working studio or an engineer or a mastering engineer or even a good mic? If they've never been in a situation where that thing was presented to them, right, right, yeah, that's that's the same perspective my my friends and I approach what we do. Um, you know, we, we try to give a platform for artists who have never had opportunities to show their art in a public space. You know, try to give that to them for the first time so that they can understand like this is a career, there is a life in selling art and creating mm-hmm. art and, and things like that. You know. So it's a similar approach. So I wanted to tie that back into community building because it's something you guys both do. You guys both uh, curate shows, run shows, organize shows. I wanted to ask like how you each got started in that. Um, I had been doing it from when I was playing in metal bands, honestly. Um, I had been my very first metal show or my very first show with my band um, was my birthday show because I knew nobody was going to book us for anything. So... I approached the venue and asked how much it would cost to kind of throw a show there. And I 
you know, booked some of the local artists there and did a show there. And then I took a break from it because I was focused on trying to just play music. But when the opportunity came again to start hosting things within Plain Sight, I recognized that that was a talent that I kind of naturally innately had. So I was able mm-hmm. to take that energy that I had built with the local hardcore and metal scene and kind of bring that DIY energy to hip hop where I feel like a lot of people kind of sat you know waited for opportunities to present themselves nobody really wanted to get their hands dirty that way so i decided to bring that whole diy ethic there yeah how long how long ago was this oh hardcore shows 2009 nice oh wow wow damn all right damn you've been doing this for a minute solo what about you I, I think for me and Omar, we might have started around the same age, not the same time, but I think, Omar, you're, you are three years older than me, I believe, right? I don't know. How old are you guys? <laughs> right, we don't know, right? <laughs> I'm, 20, I'm 26. Omar's, Omar's got to be 20. Do the math. You got Look at my face. You're 29 if you're not 20. <laughs> you're 29. I know you're 20. <laughs> I don't know if he's playing me or not. I think he just didn't want to say it, but I know Omar's a good three years, you know. Um, so, but I say that to say, um, in 2009, I was in ninth grade. In 2009, Omar was probably a senior. So, or or in eleventh grade, right? So, oh, see, look, okay. So, so he's old. He's older I, than you think. He, oh, no, <laughs> I started. I started Black throwing crack, shows. <laughs> Absolutely, for, forever and always. <laughs> uh, I must have been in 11th grade and I had my, my rap group this was before we even considered what DIY was and that's why it's, it's so crazy that Omar says that because I, I feel like people that do it it's just how people place it I mean it is DIY that's the, probably the best way to uh, describe it but it's like that's the, the beauty of culture it's like no one had to name it that it's like I mm-hmm. do music you know and so it's like I want to do shows and I want to put other people on the shows you know but I had a group in high school uh, with my best friend and another one of my best friends. We were ill children, and um, we used to throw throw shows for high schoolers in Lamar Park. And um, I think what started with that was just we were just a young rap group that wanted to do these parties. I know the half-life of it, though, or part of the reason was, like, I wanted to go to Bananas when I was still in high school. And Bananas was mm-hmm. going on, shout out to Verbs. But I remember there was Bananas, there was another show, Stashbox. There was a couple other shows going on in that same area. But um, my mother wouldn't let me go. And this was, they were literally barely probably a year older than me. You know what I'm saying? It was the same, <laughs> yeah. people, same people I ended up around two years later. But my mother would not let yeah. me go to those shows. Um, so I don't think it was because of it. But I think part of the reason was we just weren't able to go to these other shows. So we were able to, you know, we, we did them at Jinga Jinga, who had a son our age, who had kids our age, who was in high school, same year, same grade and all that. So we started doing parties at there. And they were just called ill children parties. Um, and we would just DJ. We wouldn't even rap most of the time. You know, people knew us for rapping, but we would just throw these high school parties outside of the house. You know, we mm-hmm. had like an actual venue where we could go in and be youth and still be safe, you know. Um, so that was the beginning. Then everyone went to college. And for about maybe a year, I just kind of scrounged around as far as what I was going to do with my music. And I began engineering. And then I... I was in Lamar Park already again because I was doing the art walk through high school and I knew Verbs. Um, and shout out to Verbs, Verb ES. Shout out guy. to Verbs. He brought me on 
to I, I probably performed that I was like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna do this song or whatever I'm gonna do a set at bananas because again it's like DIY like I do music but it's like I'm never like how often can I perform right and and it became that when I when Verbs was like you want to rap and I rapped it my first bananas and he was like you want to start hosting I was like shit I ain't got nothing else going on so I, I started <laughs> I started co-hosting and booking other people so it was that way of taking the access to a venue space that we had monthly and putting other people on because I knew other people my age that didn't know where to start you know that were you know still again their parents wouldn't let them go out or whatever you know and i was like i knew i had a whole black book of people to book for bananas and start putting people on and so got in i got into diy culture through verbs and bananas and um you know really the project blowed uh lineage in lemur park um yeah and uh yeah that's that's kind of how it started it's crazy yeah. that we're even having this conversation today of all days on the birthday of hip hop, bro. Hip hop. I was saying hip-hop, that I was making that hip-hop. point about something else earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And that's like that mm-hmm. DIY spirit was kind of embedded in the community from the jump. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. hooking Absolutely. up speakers and electricity from from street lights and you know, <laughs> house mm-hmm. parties and shit like that. Park jams. Um, mm-hmm. You know that energy, like it. It's necessary and it's needed. You know, people, I think with the way things are now, hip hop has become such a glamorized and commercialized um, Definitely. kind of, you know, genre. So it separated itself from the culture that really birthed it. And the culture is DIY, you know, it's, it's right. getting it done. And yeah. you know, there are still people, I mean, by default, people are recording their verses in bedrooms and still making it happen. Right. You know, in a DIY sense, but the right. energy still goes into you know. I want to get this to you know get access to the label machine, the record machine. You know, it right. gets us the most amount of money, and you see less and less people really trying to figure out how to just do it on your own. You know, and I think with this whole COVID thing happening, that really put that entire lifestyle under the microscope. You got people yeah. cooking for themselves. You know. Yep. Staying active, you know, whatever they need to do, they're doing it on their own terms and nobody right. seems to be interested in going back to, you know, waiting on somebody else to provide them the opportunity when there's the internet and there's friends. Like I didn't Absolutely. I've been taking piano lessons via Zoom from a friend yeah. that knows how to play piano. Like we could teach each oh. other. We could right. self govern you know, eventually you know what I mean? Like we can really build stuff within our own small circles of friends and expand and refer right, each yeah. other to each other when we need something that we might not have access to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's let's continue that conversation into uh, with with community building. Like you you each have done obviously with bananas is something I've known about for a long long time. Uh, I've been a huge fan of all the things going on in Lamar. I've only gotten to go once in my life because I've only been to LA once, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like you guys both have been doing these shows for so long, and I wanted to ask, like, how how does your networking process work in terms of like booking these shows and, and booking venues and things like that? Like, how did you end up at Father Knows Best? You know, like things like that. Um, that was an old friend of mine um, that I met through retail. I mean, that's how how a lot of my networking worked. I think that's how mm-hmm. a lot of people's networking mm-hmm. kind of works. Like where we yeah. work where we spend the vast majority of our time, we build connections. So um, some total had already had a residency over there. And um, mm, okay. when we did the block party, I wanted a DJ there and I had done an event with him at 
um, Father Knows Best, and I decided, you know, like, I kind of want to have him on board with what we're doing. Um, and the residency that he had kind of um, felt through, it wasn't even his resi residency, it was, um, the residency was called Ishin Lab, and it was a collaboration between him and Killer B, I believe. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part yep. of it. <laughs> vintage <laughs> shit bro mm -hmm. gotta go back in the archives to remember that um, mm -hmm. but he was commuting from Jersey so it was just too much pressure uh, for Killer B to keep going to Father Knows Best so there was a vacancy so I had asked okay. Killer B if he would open up his slot at Father's and ask Travis if he wanted to be along with it and you know that opened up but in terms of networking I've always kept it really kind of natural you know like people who i already gel with are people who i'm gonna gel with um and mm. then from there like if i trust somebody else's word when they tell me that somebody else is popping i'm gonna say all right bet i'll listen um and from that point you know it kind of grew organically now i don't have to do too much of that just because i'm active on social media or whatever mm -hmm. i can kind of see what's going on because i'm already you know well invested and well involved in the community but prior to that it had just been kind of organic connections with people that i met either at shows was or um just like through working but i mean yeah to keep it a hundred thousand percent i knew that the best way to network was to be a part of something so when i went to beat house i was mm -hmm. taking videos of people's sets and i was making sure that i listened to who was on stage so mm -hmm. when they announced the person on stage, I got video of their set and I would tag them and they would later hit me up and be like, yo, send me the video. And I would send them the video and that would build a connection right then and there. And mm -hmm. it wasn't on some like, oh, here's your video. Let me show you some music. It was here's your video. It was just and here's your video. Talking build yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's dope. I actually I had no idea you were doing video, too. That's dope. Not that's really. It was just little iPhone oh, recordings. <laughs> oh, but, okay, okay. You know, people go to these shows, and they don't have anybody they know in the crowd. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. And right. perform, and it's a memory that they don't have any footage of. So if I'm there right. recording it, and I'm up front already, you know, they're getting that memory. And I tried to keep the, the camera steady enough to get, like, a little 15-second Instagram story thing. It wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. Okay, but it's just okay. being active in the community and not right. just being a fan, but being somebody who's providing something to someone else. Yeah, no, that was, that was literally the exact same way that I networked through the the, the DIY music scene, the underground music scene was just mm -hmm. pulling up the shows with my camera, taking some photos and be like, yo, I got these photos for you. You don't know anybody else here, so I got you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> same thing I was doing, same thing I was doing, man. Uh, Solo, what about you, man? Like you guys, you guys both have done shows in, in many different cities. like. I know Omar, you've been doing the stuff in Atlanta. Solo, are you involved in the Atlanta stuff too? I, I don't, I don't fully know. No, the, the I just, I just met. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure there are different Atlanta scenes, but you know, um, the bigger Atlanta scene, Controllerize. You know, I was, I was trying to line that up before. Mm. <laughs> Do the answers? No, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gone to Atlanta yet. No. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, LA, Word. New York. Um, where I've been in other cities in California, you know, and a bunch of other cities. We went to Philly once, no? Omar, where did we go once? We went to... I didn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'd be around. Everybody's but got LA, the memory LA and New up. York are my two main, you know, spaces. And it's always just been bringing people into the fold, you know? Yeah. It's always just been like people People want a chance. People need a chance, you know? Mm. It, you know, really, to me, that's my... Uh, <laughs> 
it's not my community motto, but it's how I went about a lot of stuff because a lot of people are just dying for the chance. You know, a lot of people just need that chance to see, you know, what's possible. You know, similar yeah. to how you say, like, showing people, like, this is what a show is like. Like, yeah, it's a DIY show. It's not fucking if you are what you say you are, a superstar, a Lupe Fiasco, you know, but it's <laughs> like, come on the stage, let's see how people receive your music, you know, and that'll give you some sort of idea of what to do. And that, that's always right. just been my thing, like, you know, I, I'm not going to judge anybody's music, but people can be, you know, so-so uh, avant-garde, so-so eccentric, so-so like, oh, that was out of the ordinary, you know, whatever. And the, and cream of the crop, damn, I can see him being the next Drake. You know, all these different webs of artists just come because mm -hmm. they just need that outlet to just see how it goes, you know, and, and that's more of what I've, you know, just been open to, I should say. It's not, I don't, you know. Sometimes people don't even have music out yet, but it's like you hit me up like this is what I can give you. You know, this is what I can do for you. You know, so yeah. Wait, wait when you were doing phone. when you were doing bananas, that was that. Am I remembering correctly? Was that like open format? Was that open mic style or no? No, not necessarily. So, so yeah. So, um, I guess when I came to New York, I I went off of how we did it in LA, but I just tried yeah. to change it up a little bit. But yeah, usually there's booked artists. And then there's right. the open mic segment. And that's how I would that's how I would find artists for the next show. You know what I'm saying? Right, and right, that's what right, I mean right. by bringing people in the fold. So it's like, yeah, I got six artists because we only have X, Y, Z amount of hours. But I'm going to need a 10-minute segment to switch around. And when that mm -hmm. happens, I know I have a producer here who wants to get on or who is performing. And I know I have many more rappers that just want to you know so, so <laughs> yeah. that's there's always how, rappers that, yeah there was there was that open open time to it you know at least yeah at least two different rounds of that if not three but yeah, yeah i would let people get on and get their shit off because again it's hip-hop man it's, it's all expression like everybody shit ain't the hottest shit but everybody shit don't suck either you know what i mean yeah. like there's just always there's an avenue like <laughs> think about how many things we've seen on a grand scale as far as music is concerned like there's mm -hmm. an avenue for everything there is there really is like i don't care how i feel about it you know i just care that i know what this motherfucker is dealing with when niggas don't want to listen to music because yeah. nobody know you know what i'm saying it's that it goes it, it's that simple for me you know and as we get to other platforms and places like you can't allow everything but you know yeah. it's it's just i mean if i can though i will you know it's diy so I'm I mean, doing it yeah. myself. It's super important to every to every community to have that space. That space right. to really, you know, if you got a bomb, then you got a bomb. But <laughs> at least you know like what works and what doesn't work. So right. like yeah. I always thought about um this community parallel to like the punk community. Cause you know that's the same ethos, that's the same energy, hip hop and punk. Yeah, for sure. Um, whether people like it or not, um, right? Punk had CBGBs. You know, that was the venue that people could go to to play as loud and as well or as terribly as possible, and you know, it gave them a chance to just see what it's like to be on that stage. You know what I mean? And CBGBs birthed so many really talented acts i mean the ramones were at cbgb's and they weren't the most talented people but they knew what they wanted and they knew what worked with the crowd you know mm -hmm, and yeah. just playing loud and fast so i think like people really people really um sleep 
on the value of having open format or open aux segments or even whole programming, right? You know, whole open aux programming where people can just get out there and try. Cause you know, like if I'm in the crowd and I don't know anybody who raps and I see somebody who's kind of rapping and they kind of got it. And I know mm -hmm. that I kind of have beats, mm -hmm. but I know that if I have my kind of beats and they have their kind of raps, we can build something solid. You know, that's yep. not going to happen in a vacuum. And I feel like with hip hop, right. specifically with producer culture, it's all built from being locked inside of a room by yourself, making these beats and you think they're hard or whatever. And you send them <laughs> to somebody else and they might you know, say, oh, that shit's fire. And that's all they say. But, you know, <laughs> shit is different when you get up on stage right. and put that stuff out in the open for people to really see it and hear it. Because people can't just, oh, that shit's fire out in the open you know like if it's not yeah. resonating with people nobody can right. clap <laughs> you know what i mean right. people, yeah exactly <laughs> people will kind of sit there and you know they'll nod their head or whatever uh but it won't be the same reaction as somebody coming off the stage after really putting that work in you know what i mean and it's necessary for you to right. see that because you know the value of what really working does yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. Yo, uh, we are coming up on closing time here on the podcast, but I wanted to ask you guys for one one more thing. Uh, can you guys explain the beat show that happened in the burger joint in LA oh. with the jungle juice in the slushy machine? <laughs> What's that all about? What happened there? Okay, so I'll take it all. I'll start and then I'll let Omar. Omar, say, say, ooga, boo. I just want to make sure Omar don't freeze. Say, ooga, booga. <laughs> okay, he's laughing. I can tell. He's laughing. He's laughing. So it 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 goes back to what Omar was saying. Like, um, as far as my adult life, I guess, or when I was pursuing music, is like engineering, and then it was, oh shit, he's <laughs> delayed. It just came. I know that's crazy. <laughs> Wait, that's okay. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. Start it over. Start it over. No, we'll just, just with with anything we like we were talking about earlier is like making our connections and networking or, or doing the music stuff we want to do, starting with where we're working at. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working at, I was engineering in LA. I was, I don't know how many things I did in LA before I left for New York that were music related, except for being an engineer in the studio. But I got to New York and then it was like, okay, we're at uh, Doc Martens and I meet Omar and some other producers and blah, blah, blah. And then I go to work at Rough Trade and then mm -hmm. that's where I'm allowed to do bananas. And then I, get back to LA and then it's like I'm at Fat Beats you know but before I was at and I did shows at Fat Beats before I was at Fat Beats when I first moved back to LA the there burger. was a burger spot a, 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 oh the burger hat I forgot about that there's a, I wanted to if I was gonna go back to regular work let me tell you this I was like so far outside of regular work like I don't know what regular work is but for me it's like I didn't want to do anything other than be around music so anything mm -hmm. The first job I had was literally across the street from my house. And I said, if I'm not going to do music work, I'm not going to commute. You know what I'm saying? So I started working at this place called Oh My Burger, which is an amazing spot in, <laughs> in, on the borderline of Hawthorne and Gardena. And it's, it's Black-owned. It's owned by a family, in fact. Um, mm. Black-owned burger spot. And so I felt good about that. And, so, and it was in my neighborhood. And, yeah, they were cool, you know. It's just I didn't, I didn't want to do that forever. But... I started working there first because it was easy to just transition from being in New York to being back home in LA and making some money quick. Um, yeah. And I had my resume and I said, this is what I've done. 
you know, this is what I do, hip hop. And they were trying to find a way to get younger folks in there, you know, and let people know about it. People my age, they wanted them to be there, you know. Um, and so the time came where it was like, yeah, let me let, let me throw a show. And then Omar, take it away. <laughs> uh, so every January, my job would fly me out to L.A. for Nam or to Anaheim, rather, for Nam. Um and the first year I went there, I kind of just went and then came back home. But I believe this event was on the second year I went there, right? Yes. Was it the third? I don't remember. It, w- it was the second. Okay. Yeah, it was just last year. <laughs> that was what crazy oh, about no, it. Oh, no, it was the third. It was the third time I went out there. Because the second time I went out there and I kind of just stayed an extra week, um, like in a hotel or whatever, but the third time I went out there, or the second time I went there, I stayed like a couple of days after I was supposed to leave. But the third time I went out there, I stayed mm. for a week, and I was crashing with Solomon, and I already kind of made the plan with him. I was like, all right, wait. So yeah. that makes this this year was the fourth year you came, and this yeah. was without Korg. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so 2019. <laughs> 2019 was your third time. Yep. I didn't know that. Okay. So, um. When I went to LA, I had planned. I was like, all right, let me try and hit up all these shows like Beat Cinema and Bananas and I think Boombox. And um, of course, nothing lined up with where I was at. Like, I remember <laughs> I got there and that was. No, that wasn't Supercard. I thought it might have been. No, that was Supercard. Whoo, geez. Yeah, that was the same. Year that uh, DiBiase and Ross G, God rest the dead, did um, you know, did Supercard. So nothing I did lined up because I was all the way out in Anaheim. Um, but when I was crashing with Solomon, he was like, you know what, we're gonna put it put together a show so you could at least do one show while you're out here. So it turned out that Wavy Bagels and West Wax. Whoa also Whoa. were on the West Coast at that time, and they're both from mm-hmm. the East Coast traditionally. I think Wes had just moved to yep. um, California, and Wavy was there maybe for a Soul Election event. I can't remember why he was there, <laughs> but he was there. <laughs> um, and I had spent the week kind of just building beats in Solomon's garage um, all day Crazy. long. Crazy. That was different. <laughs> that was different. <laughs> um, and we did buy coastal fever at Oh My Burger. Yeah. And I thought that we would be doing it kind of rough trade style where we'd be on the floor kind of just getting it going or whatever. But I pulled up when Solomon had it all set up. I pulled up there were string lights up. There was, you know, jungle juice in the in the, the, the slushy machine. <laughs> and we were behind the register, bro. And that was yeah, that was ill. Serving them. Serving them for serving them. Serving them. <laughs> um, you know, were there any was, burgers involved in this? There were. They were they had were. food. There, there was were food oh, being word. served. There was food. Wow. They, they were serving food, they were serving drinks. Yeah, and they, they, they did it. And that was the that was the uh the synergy right there. And it's like, they got wow. to sell their food, we got to charge and, you know, and got a good cut. They did a really good business by me, for real. I was, I must say, as an employee. Shit got a little bit hectic towards the It got hectic, yeah. Um, Go ahead, because, yeah. <laughs> how was it so, for you, being someone not from LA? Because I've mean, been... <laughs> hectic because it got shut down. Not that the activity was hectic, yeah. but, you know, 
there was like a shooting earlier in the day. That's um, right. It was a crazy, crazy February. I remember that. I remember we were walking and Solo said, I feel like something's going to go wrong. And I was like, man, I don't think so. And then I remember chilling in the garage and Solo's dad comes in. And my man like strutted in. That's right. He came in after. <laughs> tell it because I wasn't even there. That's right. By anything, he just came up and was like, "There was a shooting on the block. I'm gonna go check it out." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, no, because what happened was my father had got off the bus. He had come home from work and got off the bus at that intersection. And when he got out of the bus, they were shooting, and so he was like hiding behind. They weren't shooting at him. Let me just oh, clarify I didn't that. Know that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't that again. That. They've cleaned that that uh, that corner up, you know, whatever. It's a little shopping center, but it was a Louisiana fried chicken. It's where people go to the deli. It's where people go to get their water. There's also a laundromat there. There's a few different things that go on there. But, yeah, there was a shooting when he had just got off the bus. He was, like, hiding behind the telephone pole, came in, saw you, and then went back to do his reconnaissance mission, which I wouldn't have done. <laughs> but we were there. He was eating cereal. Looking at the yeah. news, standing up, and then he was like, I'm going to go check out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's our neighborhood. And that was earlier in that day. That was before, because I think I had work that day. Something yeah. happened, because I didn't see my dad until later. So, yeah, that was that day. Because SWAT had been casing the place out or whatever. Yikes. Yeah. Because we had equipment there, and there was music happening, and they had us evacuate. So we yeah. thought, like... It was a wrap for the whole party, but on my burger, like the staff was so wholesome and welcoming. They were like, nah, nah, we're going to bring this to the crib. So we yep. ended up driving. Where were they staying at? They were living, they lived in, that was Hawthorne. Yeah, we drove to their backyard. It was raining by this point. Oh, oh yeah, damn. that's what made that such an amazing story, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pulled up late because we had to clean up oh my burger we had told people where we were going but we cleaned up everything and we were driving there thinking it's gonna be kind of like a half turnout or whatever bro tell me how we get there they got like a, a little window open up they're serving burgers from out the kitchen again they got speakers <laughs> blasting music people dancing in the rain i kid you not like literally, you got served doing it for little saying dancing in the fucking rain, rain, <laughs> and it's pouring, mind you. And we played beats till like I don't know, maybe two in the morning. I felt like it was might have been around three, but yeah, I don't know, two three, whatever. It seemed like we got done there around like one thirty. You know what I'm saying? Like at Oh My Burger, and then we're over at their place a little longer. It was a good night, man. I'm, I miss them. They're my neighbors, literally. But but yeah. Damn. That's that sounds like good people to have around. Good company. The burgers are fire, bro. Their burgers are amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Word, they had yo. plant based. <laughs> they had plant based burgers there. That was the they first had the impossible burger. They was I ahead was going to ask, curve. do they have any plant based burgers? I had just <laughs> had converted, I think, around that time. Or mm -hmm. I was thinking of converting. And yeah. that was all I was eating over there. Damn. Good for them. Good for them. What's it, what's the establishment called? What's was it? What are they called? They still oh, open? Oh my burger, yeah. A shout out to Oh my burger. Everybody in LA, go go go, check it out. Hey. Yo, um, yo, this has been a great episode, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been for great. Sure. For sure, for sure. Yo, um, tell the people where they can find you. Plug whatever you want to plug. I know you both dropped projects this year. Go for it. Go ahead. 
Ooh, tell us about it, Omar. Tell us about Imani. Um, you can follow me. It's at yeah. nothing underscore n e u e. Um, that's all. We can hear you, but we can't see you at the moment. They don't. You don't gotta see me. You don't know what I look like. <laughs> it's, it's um nothing new. That's n o t h i n g underscore n e u on all social media. Um, I just dropped an album. It's called Amani. <laughs> I have a hundred, or I had a hundred CDs. Looking like more like forty left now. Um, and they're available for purchase. Fifteen ninety nine on Bandcamp. That's nothing new. Dot Bandcamp dot com. N o t h i n g n e u e dot Bandcamp dot com. Felt like I'm on a spelling bee. That shit was rough. Solo? Yeah. Um, K Solar, you can find me on Instagram at K S O L A R underscore. Um, uh, Bandcamp, K S O L A R dot Bandcamp dot com. Or even my, my hyperlink, you know, just, I mean, my website, you know, just go to K S O L A R 2 K dot com. That's K Solar 2 K dot com. You know, Behold a Pink Lamb came out earlier this year. And you know yes, what's that? It's a beat tape. Got some yeah. cool rap features on it. Got some yeah. cool rap songs mm-hmm. by me on it and a bunch of other beats. Um, I think I got 77 of those done. Thank you. Come on, get out of here. I think I got 77 of those done. I think I got some left. That's all I know. So we're doing good. Buy one before I give the rest to Fat Beats. <laughs> Word, yo. All right. Yo, thank you everybody again for tuning in. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you, Dom. Shout out, Dom. <laughs> Master curator, for real. Master curator, yeah, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody. Peace.